Good evening. Good to see you guys. Hope that uh, you're doing well. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 8. We're pausing the book of Mark for two weeks. Uh, the pastoral team and I, we've uh, been praying about these uh, two weeks, and we've entitled it Jubilee. And the reason uh, for that is we felt over the years that sometimes uh, we haven't done a good job as a pastoral team of sharing some of the God stories of what God has done in and through our church. A lot of times uh, we're coming to you saying, would you partner with us in this work in our community and throughout the nations? And so this weekend and next weekend, we want to pause we want to rejoice. We want to tell you some of those stories of what God has done in our city and what God is doing in the nations through our church and also dream about what God would want to continue to do uh, through our church. It's great to be back with you. I was in Southern Oregon last weekend, had the privilege of bringing the word to Mountain Church, uh, the pastor of our school ministry. He started a church 11 years ago and they asked me to come fill the pulpit uh, for him. My dad traveled with me, went back to my hometown uh, where I was born. I haven't been there for 15 years. My, my parents have moved away. And things were not quite the way that I remembered them uh, 15 uh, years ago. So it's good to be back and was praying for you. Appreciate Robert bringing the word. He did a great job. He did, really did a great, great job. So thankful for him uh, bringing the word. Everybody in Acts 1, chapter 8? All right, let's pray and go to the Lord. Father, we do celebrate who you are. We celebrate your work in our lives. We're thankful for Rocky Mountain Calvary, that you have birthed this church. Lord, we're thankful for this city that we live in, Colorado Springs, our home. And God, as we rejoice in you for the next couple weekends and look at what you might have for us as a future, as a church, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would give us fresh eyes to see this city the way you see it, that our heart would break for what breaks your heart. God, we know that we need the work of you in our lives. Apart from your touch upon this time, Things are going to go in one ear and out another. So God, would you bless this study in Jesus' name. Amen. Interestingly enough, the word jubilee means ram's horn in Hebrew. Now, doesn't that get you pumped up? You're like, sweet, jubilee. It sounds so good in English, but in Hebrew, it means ram's horn. What was jubilee in the Old Testament? Leviticus chapter 25, check this out is every 50th year was the year of Jubilee. So there would be seven sevens, 49 years. And then on the 50th year, on the seventh month and the 10th day, they would blow the ram's horn, the shofar, bringing into this year of celebration. Why was this year so special? First is you got a year off of work. Could you imagine? Now That's something to look forward to for 49 years, isn't it? Everybody, the whole country, got to take the year off. They didn't work in their fields, none of that. It was a year of Sabbath rest. Also, all of the debts were set free. So people really went into debt on year 49 because they knew in year 50 all debts were going to be for forgiven. But incredible, all debts were forgiven. Also, those that were imprisoned were set free. Imagine if you were in a place where you were serving out some type of, of sentence, and now it's the year of jubilee. It's the year of rejoicing. Slaves were set free. 
Also, if you had family land that we know that's the way it worked for the children of Israel, and for some reason your family fell into hard times, is that you would then receive that land back if you had sold it. So the children of Israel, a unique year of of celebration. So we're not going to do Jubilee for every day, all, all, but we are for two weekends. And then also, what's going to be different about 2017, when we have missions highlights once a month, it's all going to be in the spirit of celebration, all in the spirit of, of sharing a God story of what he has done and he is doing. So let's read our key verse this evening, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Why don't you guys read this with me if you have the New King James Version? This is a little unique for us, but we're studying one verse uh, tonight. So let's read it together out loud. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right, the rest of you join me. Ready? And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's saying, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. A unique relationship with the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples had the Spirit of God come in them after the resurrection of Christ. Then they were to go to the upper room and pray and wait for the filling of the Spirit, the power of God on high. When you study the lives of the disciples, the transformation happened after the crucifixion, resurrection, and empowering of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we're going to talk about tonight hinges on the power of the Holy Spirit. In order for us to be witnesses in our community and throughout this world, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Everything that's happened in our church in the past has been because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the overflow effect in the life of a believer. It's where God pours out his power into our lives in such a way where it simply begins to overflow. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to fake it. Fake it till you make it. It's God's working in our lives, that that he is filling us with his power, this dynamite power, so that what? So that you shall be my witnesses. Not that you shall go witnessing, not that there's anything wrong with that. I wish that I, I did that more. But it's saying that my life, your life, our lives together would be a window into Jesus Christ, would be a testimony of, of Jesus Christ. If someone spent the day with us, that they would sense Jesus, that they would see Jesus. We're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. The only way that this can happen is through the power of the Spirit. Amen? And we can't live a life that points to Christ apart from the power of the Spirit. So the Spirit comes upon us, so we shall be witnesses first where? To Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the disciples are at. Saying, I want you to live it out right where you are. And for us to pause as a church and to think about first tonight, our Jerusalem, Colorado Springs, our community. So if you would allow me to, I'm going to preach to the choir for just a little bit about our community because you live here. This is your home, okay? And if you don't like that, that's okay. I've got the mic, so I'm going to do it anyway. So let's have a family room talk about our community. What do you love about Colorado Springs? The mountains, right? That's the first thing that oftentimes comes to mind. Driving to church tonight, the Pikes Peak with the snow and the lighting that God had had placed upon it. There's probably very few cities in America 
that have such beautiful views of the mountains. And we get to call it our home. People come and vacation here just to be able to see the mountains. So the mountains make our community very unique. Also, the climate is unbeatable. I've heard over the years that we have the most sunshine almost of anyone else in the rest of the country. Now, after being in Southern Oregon last weekend, I believe that to be true. It rained the whole time I was there, you know. So many days where we have these big, beautiful, open blue skies, and and that's our home, and we, we call it our home, the climate. Also, something that's very distinct to here is the military. I know many of you serve in our military or have served in our military, and we're so thankful for you. We have a international presence throughout the world because of the military bases in our community. We have two Air Force bases, the Air Force Academy, Fort Carson, one of the largest army bases, installations, and many of you go out into the world from from this place. That's a very distinct mark of, of the military. My grandpa was in World War II, and he did some of his training right here at Fort Carson. We found a map of Colorado Springs in his stuff from World War II, and the furthest east that the city went was Union Boulevard when he was here doing his training. I I mean, think about all of the people that have come through our community because of of the military. Uh, Amber's grandfather served at Fort Carson. Amber's mom lived in in this area for a small period as, as a military family moving from place to place. I think many people have some connection back to Fort... Fort. <laughs> oh, man. We'll leave that one right where it is. The connection just got a little deeper. So... How about population? How much do you think the city has grown since 2000? 25% at least. 25% uh, at least. If, if you've been here longer in the city, you've seen even more growth that has taken place. We're currently the 41st largest city in America. I don't know if you realize that, but we're the 41st largest city in America. It's a little bit deceptive. Sometimes statistics can be deceptive, and the reason is Colorado Springs never subdivided, you know, so, so our population city limits is about 420,000. Denver's population city limits is 663,000, but much more people live up in Denver. Why? Because they've subdivided into all of those, those uh, communities, but definitely it's, it's a growing, growing community. For me personally, Colorado Springs has been my home for 17 years. Met my wife here in Colorado. She was born and raised in in Colorado. All four of our kids have been born here in Colorado Springs. They get to rock the native sticker. It's a wonderful place to live. It's our Jerusalem. It's the place that we get to call home. I read a book this last summer called Staying is the New Going. And the thought was that you don't have to leave the United States of America to be a missionary. And more and more, we're going to need to see the communities that we live in in this context of being witnesses, right where we're at. And a challenging thought that I grasped from that book is, am I just a consumer of my community, or do I contribute to my community? A lot of times we see 
Colorado Springs and we see the cities that we live in of what can I get? This is a great place to raise kids. It's got beautiful mountains. It's a great climate. This is, this is good for me. But even as believers, how many times do we look at our community and go, what can I give? What can I give to Colorado Springs? Am I just taking all of the, the good things or have I planted my roots here and am I making a difference? And it's interesting, the world that, that we live in, it's very transient, isn't it? You know, we really don't think too much of our communities. We don't, we don't value our communities. It's not like prior generations in America where family after family lived in this same community. You said, you know what? I care about what happens in this city. I care about the safety of the city. I care about the well-being of the city. And most importantly, I care about people having the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I say this first and foremost to just hopefully remind you of what a wonderful city that we live in. What a blessing it is to be a part of this. And are we contributing as the body of Christ to this community? And then for a moment, if you'd humorly, I'd like to share our story being our church, Rocky Mountain Calvary. Some of you may know the history of RMC. Others of you might not know it all, but it's what God has done through Rocky Mountain Calvary in Jerusalem. The church was started in April 19th, 1989. So 28 years and, and running that RMC's been going. It started right across the street in a storefront by Harmony Bowl. You guys know this, the storefront? If you don't know the storefront, what's in it now is a shop called Mixed Up, which is primarily all pot paraphernalia. But that did used to be our sanctuary uh, over there. Some of you remember those days. And it started off with 4,000 square feet. Rocky Mountain Calvary started off with 4,000 square feet in 1989. And over time, it grew. God bless the church. The church has always been founded on the teaching of God's word, teaching it verse by verse, going through the full, full counsel of God. And God was very faithful to build his church. September 2002, we moved across Austin Bluffs to this facility. It was an amazing story of God's faithfulness that we want to celebrate, that we want to give God the glory for of how we came into this facility. The church was growing, running out of space, looking for different places uh, to meet. And if you've been in the city for a long time, where it is our children's ministry, used to be Jumbo Sports. How many of you guys remember Jumbo Sports? Hey, that's pretty good. Jumbo Sports went out of business. It was vacant for a long time. So the church goes to the owner and makes an offer on the building. We have nine acres here. Uh, that, so it's nine acres and 40,000 square feet of, of footage. This was a field. Where you're at right now uh, was, was a field. They laughed at us. They laughed at our, at our offer because it was, was so low. They said, no way. And they actually sold this property in that building to a liquor store. Apparently it was going to be jumbo liquor. That's what they were going to do. If you know in the city, when there is a new liquor store in a neighborhood, it goes to the neighbors. to They have to sign off a majority in order for them to move in. Apparently, the neighbors didn't want Jumbo, Jumbo Liquor, and they didn't get enough signatures. So they came back to the church and said, if you can close by the end of the year, then we'll sell it to you for what you offered. 
It was an amazing testimony of, of God's provision. The church was able to get a mortgage then on the property in that building and build this out. September 2002, we moved into this space. When we came into this space, we thought, you know, this is more than enough room. You know, that the church, that God has blessed us with this 40,000 uh, square feet. And once again, God blessed the church. And the church began to grow and God began to, to add to the church. In 2008, then we finished this, this sanctuary in this side of, of the building. So we've been in this sanctuary since uh, 2008. And I don't say that to just talk about buildings, but it's God's faithfulness of his provision for our fellowship. We've always believed that where God guides, God provides. You've noticed that we don't take an offering, though that that's not wrong to, to pass a plate, because giving to the Lord is an act of worship. But we've always wanted your giving to be between you and the Lord, put boxes in the foyer, made it available online, and the Spirit of God has moved in the hearts of the body of Christ here to give. And out of that, the Lord has been faithful to provide. He's he's provided for us to keep the lights on, to be in this facility, to, to be in this church home. That's a brief snapshot of, of our story as, as a church, but that's just the building. What really makes the church is you. It's us. It's we are the church, not the, the brick and mortar. And I want you to be encouraged by this is I believe that God has and is and will continue to use you in this community. I've often said that I feel like I have the best seat in the house when it comes to our worship services because when people are receiving Christ as their Savior, I get to watch that. I get to pray with people as they receive Christ as their Savior. And normally, when I'm talking with someone and praying with them to receive Christ— they will share with me how they came to Rocky Mountain Calvary, and it's one of you. You've invited them. You're their friend. They just, just the other day, prayed, prayed with someone who they were new to the community, met someone who comes here to Rocky Mountain Calvary. Their friend invited them to church, and then they came and received Christ as their Savior. And their friend was standing right with them, as this person received Christ as our Savior. See, God is using you. You are fulfilling Acts 1, chapter 8. Also, we don't do a lot of promotion. You know, we, that's just what God has placed upon our hearts. The promotion has been that you love Jesus and you're living that out in the neighborhoods of this community. You are salt and you are light. So keep it up. Keep loving Jesus. Keep being that witness. Keep inviting friends, inviting the lost. And what a blessing it is to see week after week people come to know Christ as their Savior. Again, it's not about numbers. It's not about buildings. But I just want to share a few things that give a picture of what God's doing. And I pray that you would give God glory for this. In 2016, there was 243 people that got baptized at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Isn't God good? That's awesome, you know? Each one of those represents someone's life. We allow people to come and do community service here at the church, and we're so thankful for them. Uh, we couldn't do what we do in the facility without the community service uh, program. In 2016, 2,407 people came into the doors of Rocky Mountain Calvary to do community service. That's a blessing to us as a church. You know why? Because that's a lot of people that we get to minister to. 
That's a lot of people that hopefully we can be a blessing in their lives as they're being a blessing to our church family. You, you may not know that we have a, tr- a food pantry, that we give food out to those that are need in need. We had 663 people come get boxes of food. Some come every month. And those that do the food pantry tell me that most every time they are willing to receive prayer. So we give out the food, but we also ask, can we pray for you? Every service is going out on, on live stream. People are tuning in on the internet all over the place. How did they hear about the teaching ministry of Rocky Mountain Calvary? I don't know, but they do. And we hear from some of those that are listening in different places of the United States. Also, the radio ministry. God's blessed us over the years to to be on the radio on 100.7 and also on Grace FM 101.7. And again, the word of God's going out. And that's because God is using you in this community and in other parts of, of Colorado. One of the things we're really excited about, the ways that we've been able to be a witness, is to reaching out to Sabin and Russell Middle School. Very simple outreach. We go to the teachers on parent-teacher conference days and cook them meals. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can contact the church office. And through that, we've developed a great relationship with Sabin Middle School. They're now sending food that junior high kids at Sabin Middle School collect food for our food pantry simply because we started taking food over to the teachers on parent-teacher conferences. Tim, our junior high pastor, has just adopted Russell Middle School. Church, do you realize what an opportunity this is? For those of you that live in District 11, you know the funding didn't pass for this year, and I'm not trying to make a political statement there one way or another, but I do know that the schools in District 11 are hurting. They need help. They need churches that will rally around them and say, we care for you and we realize the difficulty that's going on in the midst of of these schools. These are just a small testimony of what God is doing in our city and we thank the Lord for it. But the last thing that I want to meditate on for a second is our dream. You're saying, what? Our dream? So we've seen our community. We've seen our story. We've seen how God has been faithful to us in the past. But if we didn't stop and say, what would God want to do with the future? I think we would be missing the heart of God. We'd be missing what God's heart and intent is for the moment and is in the future. So take your Bible and turn from Acts 1-8 and turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Ezra, Nehemiah in the Old Testament. If you're familiar with the story of Nehemiah, the children of Israel are in captivity. Nehemiah is the cupbearer. Ezra has built the temple, but there's no wall around the temple. Nehemiah's burden, his dream, is that there would be a wall around the temple. And we pick it up in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, when he hears about the condition of Jerusalem and the temple. Verse 3, Nehemiah 1, verse 3, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept, and I mourned for many days. 
I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. In order to realize what God's heart is, we first have to be broken. In order to see what our dream would be, we have to receive a burden from the Lord. We've talked a lot about the positive things in our community, which there's so many positives, more positives than negative. But where are the broken walls in our community? Has there been a time in your life where you have driven the streets of Colorado Springs from fountain to monument out to to Falcon and you've wept because of what you know is taking place in the streets and homes and schools of this city? One of the things that breaks my heart the most is the teen suicide that we're seeing in El Paso County. There's an article that was released by Newsweek. It came out just this October, specifically just upon El Paso County. They came to our schools to write this article. It said, teen suicide is contagious and the problem may be worse than we thought. And I quote the article. It says, between 2013 and 2015, 29 kids in their county killed themselves many from just a handful of schools. It then goes on later in the article and says, as of mid-October, the total number of teen suicides this year in El Paso County, home to Colorado Springs, is 13, one short of the total of 2015. So that 2016 was just as bad as 2015. Later, the article states and says, but more than three times as many teens are killing themselves now than in the 1950s. So if we go from the 1950s and we look at teen suicide, it has tripled. This became very personal for me this year. I got a phone call from a close friend, and he shared with me that his son had committed suicide. His 19-year-old son had committed suicide. That is one of the hardest phone calls I've ever taken in my life. To hear my friend weeping and bawling and crying, trying to get out the words to share with me what had happened to to his son. I've known his son since he was little. I remember his son running around as a four-year-old, as a five-year-old. He's 19. A beautiful family, a wonderful family. And my heart was ripped in two. When I went to his memorial service, broken. See, when we read statistics about kids taking their life in El Paso County, sometimes it's hard to make that personal. Each one of those kids, kids, it's somebody's son, it's someone's daughter. That's someone's brother, someone's sister, and they took their life. High schoolers that are here listening to me talk right now, if you, if you were to ask them, do you have a friend that committed suicide, they would say yes. They've already experienced that and walked through, and some of them several times. I didn't personally know someone that had committed suicide until I was in my late 20s. Think about it in your life. 
I mean, did you, did you have someone in your inner circle that committed suicide when you were in your teenage years? And I say this because I hope that God reminds us of why we're here in Colorado Springs. That he would move us as a church that we would pray for the teens in a greater way. That the next time you see a teen and God touches your heart that you would stop and talk to them. Maybe that you see a teen that's disenfranchised, that, that your heart, that my heart would, would go out to them. But you know what? As a pastor in this community and as a follower of Christ in this city, I'm not okay with that. As a church, we should not be okay with that. That should stir us. Earlier this month, 29-year-old father, 8.15 in the evening, here in Colorado Springs, decides to shoot his 26-year-old wife, shoot his 8-year-old son, shoot his 5-year-old daughter, and then he killed himself. Nobody's talking about it. Their lives go into eternity, and no one seems to really care. And the hard part is, is that is fairly routine in this beautiful city. Domestic violence to the point of a parent killing a child, a parent killing a spouse. And you know what? That breaks the heart of God. And God wants us to weep like Nehemiah wept. That the Lord would build up a wall. A nine-year-old girl was walking to school this month here in Colorado Springs and was in the school crossing. She gets hit by a car and she's in eternity. She's a nine-year-old girl. A few of her classmates got hit as well, and they lived, and she went home to, to be with the Lord. I think as we begin to look at some of these things, our heart does begin to break. Many have said that Colorado Springs is the new Bible Belt, but the statistics show that only 25% go to church on a regular basis, and it's probably less than that. And that's not Bible-believing evangelical churches. That's any church. And some of those churches would be false religions. So think about every four people that you come in contact with in this city, only one of them go to church. And you start to think about our circles outside of this place and with other believers, and you go, yeah, that really resonates. When I think about this, I go, my coworkers, how many of them that go to church? Probably 25% on a regular basis. In my neighborhood, how many go to church? Maybe 20%. And so God wants there to be a witness in this city. And the greatest need in this city is for people to know Jesus Christ. Amen? And I think a lot of times we look around and we go, God wants to use somebody else. You know? This is for people that are in full-time ministry. This is for missionaries that I support and missionaries that I pray for, but God couldn't use me. Nehemiah is an ordinary guy. He's a cupbearer, and it was a position of trust, but at the end of the day, he was the latte guy. He was the guy that made sure to get the coffee right. And his heart was broken, and he began to pray, and he began to pray, and he began to pray, 
He didn't go to meetings. He didn't get his friends together. He didn't send out flyers. He went before an amazing, awesome, holy God. And he said, God, this is breaking my heart. Would you move? Would you work? And God did an amazing work. Turn with me at the end of chapter 2. Verses 17 and 18. He's now in Jerusalem. Study it for yourself. Read these two chapters together. God opens the door. The king sends him back with supplies. He gets to Jerusalem where some have returned. And this is what he says to them in verse 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. I think we all see the distress that we're in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. As a church, we can look back and see God's faithfulness, his provision for us, how he has worked. Has God changed? Does God continue to love those who are lost in Colorado Springs? Those that don't know Christ as their Savior? Absolutely. And tonight, I'd like to come to you, be challenged with you. Let's rise up and build. Let's rise up and build. Let's be a witness of Jesus Christ right here in Jerusalem. Do you know the greatest impact of RMC isn't the harvest gathering as great as that is? Isn't the Easter service as wonderful as that is? Isn't Project Nehemiah, it's every day when you get up and you go to work and you're a witness to Jesus Christ. It's every day in your neighborhood when you're a witness to Jesus Christ. It's every day in your family and friends when you're a witness of Jesus Christ. It's every day at Starbucks, at King Supers, yes, maybe even Costco, that you would be a witness of Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that fills us, that we go, you know what, I'm not just living out my life here to be as comfortable as I possibly can, to do my thing, and to step into eternity, but I get to share Christ. I get to speak of his goodness in my life. I get to share my testimony of how Christ saved me. And then notice the response of the people. So they said, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. I think God has a great plan and future for you individually. You live right where you're supposed to live. You're in this city for a reason. God's going to use you to declare the name of Christ and to bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. God's going to continue to use our church, if we're willing, not because of us, but because of his heart to touch people. He's not only going to use our church, but he's going to use Discovery Church. He's going to use Vanguard Church. He's going to use Woodman Valley Chapel and Mountain Springs and Calvary Baptist and Vista Grand. He's going to use his body that respond and say, let us rise up and build. So it's going to be a little bit different in these next few moments as we've asked four people to come and share with you about what God is doing in this city. And what's unique about all four men that are going to share with you is their ministries that we partner with. After the service, you can go and talk with them and get involved in their ministries. But what you're going to hear 
in all four of these testimonies is you're going to hear brokenness. You're going to hear of broken walls, of broken lives, but you're also going to hear how Christ has come in and brought that saving and redemptive work. So I hope you enjoy these testimonies. God is good, and it's exciting to be here and share with you guys. Um, I want to tell you real quick how Skate Church started. It started seven years ago as me and my wife started hosting a weekly gathering um, in our home. And um, the whole point of this gathering was to get skateboarders to our house, to build community, to share the Bible, share Jesus, teach them, um, and just love on skaters. And so for seven years, we've been doing that, and... We're actually coming up next month on our uh, two-year anniversary at our own facility, GMP Indoor Skate Park. And it's been such a blessing in this community, and I want to share a couple quick stories with you guys. Um, and the first is of this uh, young man that he came to Skate Church about a month ago. And he, he was sitting there. I didn't get to talk to him before. But during Skate Church, I could tell I recognized him. I knew it had been some time. He's grown quite a bit. And... Um, he was listening, he was intent, and he, was, he looked happy to be there. So after the message, he comes up and he talks to me, and he's really excited. And he says, you know, this is so cool, you're still doing this. And he's like, I still have the Bible you gave me five years ago. And, you know, that, that's cool right there. But what makes the story better is that, well, for one, he was reading it too. Um, he wasn't, he didn't just have it, he was reading it. But... Five years ago in my house, this was the last kid I thought would pick up the Bible and read it. I don't, I don't remember, you know, exit, you know, giving it to him, um, but apparently I did, and he had been reading it, and it had been doing something in his life. And so, you know, I looked at him, and I thought, last person who would ever read it. You know, he, he, he never looked like he wanted to be there. Um, I think he was, I thought he was there for the free pizza and hang out with his buddies, but he was hearing God's word, and five years down the road, he comes and tells me that it actually did something in his life. And it was really encouraging for me because, you know, sometimes I wonder, I doubt, you know, is it really worth it? Are people listening? Is, is God really doing something? And I see stories like that. Um, and then a, a story of another young man who, um, he started coming when, to skate church when he was probably 14, 15 years old. And... Um, Really good kid, talented skater, really had a really bright future in skateboarding and could probably pursue skateboarding. Well, graduates high school and he had been involved. We had taken him around the country on trips and mission trips and all kinds of fun stuff. Discipled this kid, just spent a lot of time with him. Well, after high school, he said, I'm going to go to California and I'm going to skate, but I'm going to do full-time skate ministry. So he got plugged in with the skate ministry in L.A., which is where every skate, young skateboarder wants to be. And through that, he felt a, a call in his life to go overseas. And so this, this young skater decided to take a, a step of faith, and he went overseas on the 
whole other side of the world to a country that's not exactly super friendly to this type of stuff. And he's using his skateboarding to, to preach the gospel, to share with other skaters on the whole other side of the world. And, you know, to me, that's, that's amazing. That's encouraging. Um, he's actually home right now for a little while, and he's leaving again in a week to go back for another two years. And he's learning a whole new language, and he's going back there to use the skills and the talents that the Lord has given him to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, you know, excited and encouraged to see God uh, transform lives, to, to really take hardened hearts, mold them, shape them. And sometimes that's a, that's a slow process for some of these skaters, but God is good and, and, and he continues to do that in their lives. So thank you, church, for your support and everything you're doing. And just trust that, you know, God is doing amazing things in our city and our community. church. Tonight I have the privilege of telling you what uh, God is doing in prisons in Colorado, supported from Rocky Mountain Calvary. But first I want to acknowledge that I'm just one of a number of individuals from this church that are working in prison ministry, so so thank you to all of you who support and serve uh, in prisons. You know, I have to admit, when I started going in prisons, I had a little bit of a misconception. You see, I was excited about taking God into the prison and about beginning his work in that place. But I found out very quickly that God was already in that prison, and he'd been doing his work for quite some time. But he was going to allow me to come in and join in in what he was doing, and even through that, do a work in me. You see, we can never convict anyone of their sins, and we certainly can't save anyone from their sins. But occasionally, the Lord gives us an opportunity to point someone to their Savior, to Jesus Christ. And in that, we get to experience the joy of God doing a work through us. Just this week, I had a young man come into my uh, chaplain's library, and he asked me if I'd pray for him. And I I hadn't met him before. I said, sure, I'd be happy to pray for you. What would you like me to pray for? And he said, well, everything. I just need to be different. And I told him, you know what? I think every one of us needs to come to that realization at some point in our lives. And not only that, God tells us that when we put our faith in Christ, that's exactly what he will do for us. He will make us something different. He will make us a new creation. So we are able to talk for a minute in there and then pray right there in the chaplain's library asking God to make him a new creation. And I really look forward to see what God's going to do in his life in the weeks and months ahead. That's God at work. You know, in the prison, I'm able to lead church services and Bible studies, but I also have the opportunity to uh, teach a couple of classes on biblical manhood, and fatherhood. Now, most men know when they became a father, but I like to ask them to tell me when they believe they became a man and why. And as they study the materials and they read the word, some of them are forced to admit, you know what, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I want to be. And they're able to pray and ask God to help them in that journey. 
And the Lord is, is even changing the culture uh, in the prison in ways. Um, I kind of enjoy it because the young believers, they, they, sort of, they, they started out kind of worried about what the other inmates might think of them if they see them living out that life of faith. But as we've grown in the church, as, as we've been strengthened in the church, now they're starting to worry about what their Christian brothers will say if they're not living in the faith. So that's a good thing. They're holding each other accountable. They're having Bible studies in their units. They're calling prayer meetings in their rooms. That's the work of God in that place. And I want to leave you with this. Please, if you know anyone that is currently walking down that dark path, that path of foolishness that leads to destruction, please do not stop speaking the words of truth to them. Because you see, many of the men that I talk to in the prison, I'm not the first one that shares the gospel with them. There's often somebody in their life, somebody that they remember, a faithful mother or grandparent, an aunt, even a friend, who cared enough about them to speak the truth to them, to tell them they were going the wrong direction, even to share the gospel with them, and not to give up on them. Many of those people are the only people praying for them while they're there, the only people writing to them while they're there. Guys, it may take years for them to understand what you're saying and to realize it. But for many of them, they will look back on that time. They will remember what you said, and they will see Christ at work in you reaching out to them. Please don't give up on them. Let God do that work through you. Thank you. season of ministry for Mercy's Gate, we've seen the gospel go forward in our community. As we ended the 2016 year, we've served in partnership with your church 25,000 neighbors in our community. Mercy's Gate is a Christ-centered ministry that is preventing homelessness in our community. We're meeting crisis with hope. Over the last six months, we've prayed with thousands of our neighbors many of whom have never had a conversation with their Heavenly Father. Over the last six months also, we've had 47 people receive the gospel and ask Jesus Christ in their lives. That's something to get loud about, guys. Because what this means is those 47 people are going back to their sphere of influence and bringing the hope of Christ in their situation. I want to share a story of a neighbor that we recently served uh, it was a father who had three boys, and he came from Pueblo. He just moved here, dropped everything, left Pueblo to move to Colorado Springs. He had one son in middle school, two sons in high school. And his boys were surrounded by gangs and drugs, and he wanted to move out of that place. So he decides to get up and move to Colorado Springs. He moved right across the street here in these apartments. In the midst of the challenges of not having a job, he comes to Mercy's Gate. I ended up working with him. The father came in with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Stress, anxiety, 
looking to provide for his family. As I sat and began to connect with him, the first thing out of his mouth was, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist. I responded back and said, well, I'm here to meet you right where you're at. I connected with him for an hour, counseling him. We provided resources for his family. We have provided food assistance. He uh, received a gas voucher to get to a job interview and clothing voucher for his kids. And off he went. Uh, he came back 10 minutes later. The gas voucher didn't work. He was at a gas station right here in front of RMC. So I drove over quickly, filled up his gas tank, and as we're talking, his body posture changed. Remember I said he said he was an atheist? As I was out there at the gas station, he pointed to RMC and said, tell me more about that church. I ended the conversation with him, having a great time talking about who Jesus is, sharing the church, and praying with him right there at that gas station. And he may be here tonight. We have a saying at Mercy's Gate, our neighbors are thirsty. And when we provide them the cup of cold water, which is our services, they are thirsty to receive the cup of living water, which is Jesus Christ. Just like this story of the father from Pueblo. I see it time and time again. By way of closing and celebrating with you guys, I want to read a thank you card uh, that I received from a neighbor recently that came through our doors that was impacted by our partnership of what we're doing for God's kingdom here. It says, we can't thank you enough for going the extra mile to take care of our family in our time of need. We felt so loved on by all of you and your generosity. We hope to give back to Mercy's Gate to bless another family. I left from Mercy's Gate that day with a thankful heart, knowing that God cares for me and my family. May God continue to bless Mercy's Gate as they reach out to our community. And that extension's to you guys, too. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you guys, this is an honor. Is our, is our God victorious? He allowed us to worship him and just thank him and praise him for a time such as this. The psalmist says that we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name and your near. Your men tells of your wonderful deeds and it's all God's deeds and, and he pours in us that we're able to pour out to you guys. And, I've been here for a quarter of my life just running a community service program and just watching God's mighty works and just being a witness of that, seeing people from 100 a week to 600 a month, ages from 10 to 70 years old that come through these doors and 
just having an opportunity to serve them and, and be a witness, but more than just loving them. And I tell you, my story is this. There was a gentleman back in June that came through the doors, and he's been here for a couple of times doing community service. And one day, he was distraught, and I had asked him, how can I pray for you? And he said, Donnie, my girlfriend's pregnant, but she wants to abort the baby, and I don't know what to do. And I encouraged him to bring her down so I can talk with her. Well, a couple of days later, he brought her down, and I had an opportunity to sit with them as a couple. But God used me. He gave an opportunity for me to share my story when I was young and 19 years old, and I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant. And I remember her mother said, you can't have this baby. You're too young. And I remember picking up my girlfriend and taking her down to a clinic, and I remember seeing this tube and seeing my girlfriend lay there. And I walked out of that place empty, not knowing exactly what I just had done. And I had a guilt in my life through years until God got a hold of my heart. And I knew that he forgave me. Well, this happened last week. A gentleman came into my office. And before I can even say, hey, how are you? He came and he hugged me. And he said, Donnie, I just want to tell you, you saved my baby. And I stepped back and I said, I didn't save your baby. The Lord saved your baby. And he walked outside the hallway. And there was his girlfriend and this little baby girl. And all I wanted to do was fall on my knees and worship the Lord. Because I know it was God. Because he is victorious. And I just want to thank you guys. Without this ministry, without you guys, we couldn't do this. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep praising God. Keep thanking him. Keep worshiping him. Because we're blessed to have a, a teacher, a pastors that guide us and teaches the word of God. And we're so blessed as RMC. So thank you. God is good, amen? It's awesome to hear the testimony of, of God working. And as we close tonight, I just want to remind you of what Nehemiah said. Let's rise up and build. And the people responded and said, let's rise up and build. We always want to apply the word of God in our lives. And the application is this. Say yes to the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon us in a unique way for this season. We talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It's saying yes to the Spirit. In your life, as you leave tonight, as we pray together, that we would say yes afresh to the Lord. And as God prompts us, we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take this step of faith and follow you and what you're, you're doing in my life. So let's stand and let's pray together and say yes to the Lord together. Jesus, we thank you so much for the fact that you're the light of the world, that you come into our lives and dispel the darkness and provide forgiveness of sins. And as we think about your faithfulness to us as a fellowship, we say thank you. 
you're so gracious. We think of almost 30 years of this church being in existence, and God, you've been faithful to keep the doors open, and we give you praise for that. We thank you for all the people that have come to know Christ as their Savior, been baptized, been in Bible studies, and been in fellowship, and been, been encouraged. But we also know that your heart is for this city, for this Jerusalem, Colorado Springs. We see the broken down walls. We know lives of those that don't know you, God. And right now, as a church family, we say yes afresh to you, Jesus. Be the Lord of our lives. Be the head of this church. And as we walk out, we say yes to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you prompt us? Would you guide us? Where we're grieving the Holy Spirit, would you forgive us? And God, we ask that you would continue to do great things for your glory and that you would bring many to come to know Christ as our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.